Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast at Tracing the Bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Sullison. With me, like always, is my very, very talented friend who knows there ain't no mountain high enough to keep me away. <laughs> the mix just DC Gina. Hi, Louise. <laughs> Aren't you glad I didn't try to sing that? <laughs> I mean, I would also like to hear that for just for fun, you know, like a little wow. ditty of it. I sure in the hell wouldn't want to scare our guests away or our listeners away this early in the episode. <laughs> yeah. They're like, uh, are they going to sing this show? I don't think so. <laughs> All right. So, Gina, that may not be a high point, but that's exactly what I want to talk about. I want to open the show on a very high point at the elevation of 13,775 feet to be exact, which is the highest peak in the Grand Tetons. The Grand Teton National Park is definitely a national treasure and was originally established way back in 1929 by good old President Calvin Coolidge. At the time, it only encompassed 96,000 acres, but it also included the Teton Range and six glacier lakes. In 1943, Little FDR, he decided to up that game. He established 210,000 acres at Jackson Hole for the National Monument. Now we jump ahead until 1950 under President Harry S. Truman. Um, the monument was merged with the National Park, and then there was an additional 35,000 acres donated by John D. Rockefeller to create the 310,000 acre Grand Teton National Park we visit today. And if you were in that park, Gina, in that very majestic park, here is the wildlife you could come across. Apparently, there are 17 species of carnivores, which includes grizzly bears and wolves. There are 22 species of rodents, six species of hooved animals, four species of reptiles, six species of amphibians, three species of rabbits slash hares, um, six species of bats. There's more. 16 species of fish over 300 species of birds, over 900 species of flowering plants, and seven species of conifer trees. And one Bigfoot. <laughs> well, there's gotta be at least two, right? Cause you know. Oh yeah, it's gotta come from chicken or egg, chicken or egg, you know? <laughs> uh, so since 1929, all this beautiful wildlife has drawn more than 3.5 million visitors and two Yetis, um, which unfortunately, I am neither a Yeti, nor have I been to the Grand Tetons. How about you? I have not been to the Grand Tetons. However, you're going to laugh. I have an iFit now, and on the bike, on the on the walking thing, you can walk the Tetons. Yeah. And like, and then you go on like a, a walking tour. So like now I think I'm going to hit that one. I just did St. Lucia, so now I'll do that. <laughs> it might be a slightly <laughs> different uh, space, I'm thinking. Just, you know, a little different environment. Just slightly Listen, different. I like, I'm from New York, so the less nature near me is fine by me. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just, you know. I live in Maryland on a farm, but I don't go outside much. <laughs> uh, well, you have chickens I find now. It, I do have chickens, but I find it wild when I have to, like, organize my shoes. So, you know, that's enough wildlife for me. <laughs> well, all this talk about wildlife, Gina, is bringing me to today's designated drinker. He is the brewmaster of Roadhouse Brewing Company, and he is none other than Max Schaefer himself. Welcome to the show, Max. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hi, Max. Wildlife from Jackson Hole. <laughs> wildlife everywhere. And maybe sometimes it's our, uh, it's our friends who come to visit us that we can consider the wildlife as well. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm, d I'm down to come visit and to let my hair down and, you know, maybe like look for that Bigfoot or something like that. 
As long as you can keep all the lights on, because I hate the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you find a Yeti in the dark, maybe. Get lucky, Gina. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll be the first crossbreed of Yeti and, oh, wait, hold on. I know a lot of men that fit that character already. We're good. (laughs) Covered. Um, Uh, Finished. Next. Okay, let's get serious, Max. We need to know, how does one become a brewmaster if he has no tattoos? Ah, yes, yes. I'm a, I'm a tattoo-free brewmaster. It's kind of a, <laughs> a, a, a rarity these days. But my, uh, my Jewish mother would, would absolutely disown me if I ever showed up with any sort of tattoos. Um, so I had, to, I had to pull a lot of strings without tattoos. But I, uh, I started my career, like most brewers, as a home brewer, making uh, beer on my parents' stove before I could legally buy beer right there's that great loophole where you can buy the ingredients to make it but you know it gets a little gray so i started doing that um and then i started helping uh out with a brewery in the town i went to in college and um kind of played around there and helped mainly taste beer and decide if we thought we could sell it um i moved out here to jackson uh in about 2012 or so i've been working out here seasonally um working for a summer camp actually um doing wilderness trips chasing wildlife with with young kids and uh or sometimes being chased by it so uh, i worked out there and and i knew i really wanted to get into beer Uh, my degrees in biology specifically in fisheries so i love science i absolutely love to cook as well yeah it's it's a it's a a different different path for sure i uh, i wanted to be a game warden uh, here in Jackson and, and, uh, and play that game. So I actually, uh, my parents were like, you know, you, you just spent a lot of money on your college education. What are you going to do with your life? <laughs> you can't just run around in the woods and hope to make beer. Uh, so I decided to go talk to the local, uh, authorities on, on, on wildlife management. And while I was doing so, I happened to pick up the local paper here, Jackson Old Daily, and there was an ad for a bottling line position at uh, Grand Teton Brewing over in Victor, Idaho, which is uh, just on the other side of the Tetons from us. So the Tetons form the natural border between Idaho and Wyoming. I didn't even talk to the game warden. I didn't talk to anyone there. I just drove over the, over Teton Pass, uh, which is a pretty big mountain pass that divides us and, uh, talked to the brewmaster there. He hired me on the spot. I said, I just need a couple weeks to pull all of my belongings out of the woods because I was still uh, guiding some pack trips and, and backpacks and things. And uh, I started on the bottling line um, for a very, very little money. And my mother was like, how do you expect to live on this, working those hours, making this little money? Um, I was I was caretaking a ranch at the time. So fortunately, I had some uh, free lodging, which helped uh cover some of that. Um, about a, two weeks in working there, the, the brewmaster came to me and said, you know, I, I hear you work pretty hard. You're staying after uh, bottling runs to help the brewers mill in and learn the CIP tanks. And just, I wanted to learn it all. I was really fascinated by it. And I said, yeah, I did. And I think somewhere along the lines, I told him I wanted his job. And, uh, and uh, about five years later, I got his job. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he moved on. Uh, he's a very dear friend and great mentor. He was actually the officiant in my wedding. Um, so he was very influential in my life. And, and he and his wife were um, very, very important and special people for my wife and I. And uh, so I got Rob, Rob Mullen's job. And uh, I was the brewmaster at, at uh, Grand Teton. I went to the Siebel program as well at some point there. Um, so I wanted to further my education in brewing and, and get a little bit of more formal training in it. 
So I went through Siebel in the international diploma program. So I got to go back to Chicago, which is actually where I'm from. I grew up in the Northern Burbs of Chicago. Um, so I got to go home and live with my folks for the first time since I graduated from high school. And I was living with them and going to brewing school there at Siebel. Uh, I got to go to Munich for a little bit. and uh, That shows you how committed you are yeah. to finish that, <laughs> to move back in with your parents when you're an adult. That is conviction. That is guilt, Louise. That is guilt. That's when your mother goes, you're going to come to Chicago and you're not going to stay with us? Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, I, went to, I went to school in upstate New York, so I'd drive east to go to college. I'd drive west in the summers to work out in Jackson. I'd spend like a night or two at home and, and very little time there. So it was good to come back to Chicago. And the only deal was that I, if I wanted to go to a brewery, I'd, I, I got to drag my parents. So I, I took them all around the Midwest. We went and saw a bunch of breweries while I was living back in, at home and uh, got back from Germany, moved back to uh, Grand Teton and, uh, and continued working there for a little bit longer. Um, when I got the opportunity to uh, take this job here at Roadhouse, um, we had just um, uh, started building out and, and finished building our production facility. So I was back in June of 2017. Um, we graduated from a very small pub system, a little seven barrel pub system closer to Jacksonville Mountain Resort. And uh, they asked me to help come in and, and take a bunch of the recipes that were very homebrew, homebrew driven. And at the time were draft only for um, a series of restaurants that we have a partnership with and uh, take it up to 30 barrel production batches and bottle it. And we haven't looked back since. Um, so it's been a really, really fantastic opportunity. It's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I think often people think that and we've had a lot of guests that, that prove this to be true, that things just come together and they just seem to happen. But then when you talk, talk about like the thing, the dedication you had, you know, you're living in the woods, you know, taking, starting at a bottling position, like your mother said, not making any money really. Um, but then able to allow yourself to do that, you had a second job where you're taking care of something and like you were piecing it together and it's just whether, whether it's, it's not dumb luck. Uh, obviously, it's just uh, you may at the time you may not have known how far this was going to go, but it's great to hear that it literally turned out. But it's also because you did an awful lot of work to get there. Yeah, definitely. I am a, I, I am a big believer in, in things happen for a, for a reason. Um, probably the Absolutely. most like kind of spiritual I'll, I'll get with things, but I, you know, it, it certainly worked out and it's been an absolute incredible journey. Um, my grandparents lived here in, in Jackson for for decades, uh, my dad's folks. So Jackson's always been kind of that home. And I, I always wanted to be here, as I kind of mentioned with wanting to be a game warden. And I live here to fly fish. I, I absolutely love spending my summers on the river. So um, enable, you know, I, as, a, as a young boy, I was told that, you know, I'm going to move to Jackson, I'm going to buy myself a pickup truck, and I'm going to fish and, and hike and, and ski. And, and I'm doing that. And now I'm making beer at the same time. So it's <laughs> really a win-win to be making beer here in Jackson. So awesome. Well, speaking of, you sent us some goodies. Can we start? Can you can we start talking about your product taste yes. and talk, talk yes. story, as we would say Let's in Hawaii? Let's do it. So of the beers, where would you like to start? I like to do things a little bit uh, unconventional and just knowing the three the three tasty beers we have here in front of us. Uh, we've got two IPAs and a Pilsner. So I think we suggest or excuse me, I suggest we start with Wilson, which is our flagship IPA. And then we'll start okay. with our Pilsner as a little bit of a palate cleanser before we dive into uh, our big double IPA. Is that an iguana on this can? <laughs> it is an iguana, which which is not one of the species of reptiles you can find here in Jackson. Um, but there, yeah. is a, uh, there is a great <laughs> story behind uh, behind some of these products as well. So uh, Wilson is our, is our mountain style IPA. It was one of the first beers we ever started brewing as a company. Um, back at our original brewery called the Q, Q Roadhouse. Um, it was a barbecue place, hence Q 
Q. Got uh, it. And uh, at the time, it, was, it had a different name. And um, like like we all do in the brewing industry, there was another brewery that was using that name, and, and they kindly asked us to stop. And we said, okay, man, didn't want to fight it too much. So. Um, Wilson is a town in Jackson uh, or a town in, in Teton County. Um, it's actually where our first brewery started. So it's paid great homage to, to our, our roots at the, this little town in the base of the Tetons of Wilson, Wyoming. Um, the iguana gets pretty out there. Uh, this, this is a pretty deep track, but uh, we're, we're big fish fans here at Roadhouse. Not not the oh. swimming fish, but the jam band fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, of course. The pH, <laughs> the pH. fish. Yeah. So uh, Wilson is one of the great songs of fish. Um, and uh, I- I'm not a big fish head. On my first day when I started, uh, our, our director, our, our then at the time, director of sales asked me, do you like fish? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I love to fish. Like I literally live here to fish. And he was like, nah, no, not that kind of fish. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got a lot to learn. Um, but what I'm told is, uh, is in the song, Wilson, uh, Wilson is the iguana, the king of the lizards. And, and I hope I didn't totally yeah. butcher that for oh. any fish fans listening, but so it works out well. We pay homage to Wilson, the town of Wyoming, uh, and, and here in Teton County where we started. And it's also our love of fish, some of our love of fish. That's hilarious. Yeah. Wilson, um, really, really, uh, this is not one of my original recipes. This is one of the beers that I was asked to, to help scale up. Um, one of our uh, co-founders, uh, a gentleman by the name of Colby Cox, he is, uh, was a home brewer and won a ton of great awards home brewing and in Roadhouse and the brewing side of it, a lot of his vision. And uh, Wilson was one of his initial IPAs um, that he started brewing. And uh, it's a very classic Citra, Simcoe, Amarillo, hopped IPA. Um, does nothing different than anyone else. Um, is it primarily Citra though? It's like super, super citrus. It is primarily Citra, um, which is like yeah, one of my absolute favorite hops. If you ask me, it's one of the the best hops ever. You can bitter with it. You can make delicious IPA with it. We make a we make a pilsner with it. It's it's a fantastic hop. It makes great cocktail syrup too. Yes, it does. I recently had a cheese with Citra in it, and it was like. What? Uh, oh, is it delicious? Delicious. Absolutely delicious. It was like a big old slab of dry hopped cheddar. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So quite versatile, that Citra. Um, but Wilson, uh, 7.2, 7.3%. If I, if, ooh, 7.5. So not a session IPA. Not a session. <laughs> not a session yeah. IPA. We do love our big beers at Roadhouse. We make a lot of really strong ones. But um, Wilson is, is, our, is our number one skew. It's our flagship. Um, we have gone back and forth over the years as well what we wanted to call it. Um, originally it was a West coast inspired IPA. And then we quickly realized that it wasn't a West coast IPA. It didn't have that assertive bitterness to it. Um, it's definitely not a new England style IPA. Uh, and then even like the Midwest has it's, you know, its own IPAs. I think as, as craft has grown, each region is now creating its own unique IPAs. So, um, our friends down, uh, in, in Fort Collins, Colorado at Odell Brewing, um, have a beer that is a mountain style IPA. Um, and we, um, one of our first beers we ever did with Odell, um, way, way back in the day at our original brewery. And, uh, we saw they're making this mountain style and we're like, well, this is perfect. And it's a great combination of really nice fruit notes that come from the hops, not necessarily from the fruit itself. It's not bitter like a West coast. It's not hazy like in new England. It really meets that middle right here in the Intermountain West. Um, it is one of my absolute favorite IPAs. And I remember when I started, and it's fantastic. So now I have to tell people I like mountain style IPA. <laughs> I'll be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't drink those IPAs anymore. I'm into yes. more mountain style. <laughs> I only drink the mountain yeah, did- brood. <laughs> 
yeah, this this should throw everybody for a loop in Washington, D.C. They're going to be like, sorry, what? <laughs> like, yeah, we only like the mountain style. What elevation are you brewing at? Great. Oh, I can't drink that. Anything below 6,000 is not mountain enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, you must have Yeti on yeah, the line. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but really, really delicious, awesome. fun IPA. We we make a lot of it. We we can a lot of it. We we drink a lot of it, and um, it, I absolutely love it. Love this beer. That's, that's super cool. Mm. Is it? Is this? Uh, sorry, what's? I was just uh, uh, expressing my enjoying yeah, my enjoyment <laughs> of, a, of a fresh Wilson. We uh, the the Wilson, uh, you know, the beauty of being in in your brewery is that this Wilson was canned last night, so it's particularly fresh. <laughs> there we go. You know, I always wanted to try. Um, I have never to this day, and I got tons of friends here in DC that have breweries. I still have never tried a twenty-four hour off the brew. Like off off the you near know, right when it's canned or bottled. And I want to try that because I hear like I've heard. Like I've tried it like right when they're about to put it in when it's still warm. But I've never tried it like after it's chilled at 24 hours or 30 hours or whatever it is. There's supposed to be this peak freshness for like 30 hours that the beer is one way. And then like literally there's a time. Am I right or am I wrong? It changes ever so slightly as a conditioning. It becomes either bottle conditioned or can conditioned, and then the beer changes a, a slight bit. Is that right or am I wrong? No, you're, you're absolutely spot on. And uh, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of lot work with and have fo- a lot of folks work for me, you know, all, you know, spent a lot of time in, in breweries now, you know, almost 10 years. And, and I, I tell everyone, okay, so if you're going to start a brewery, just know that drinking really fresh beer is going to ruin beer for you forever because nothing tastes like a beer right off the canning line. Uh, you know, we do a lot of sensory on our product. We, we centrifuge our beer. We don't do any traditional filtering, but we always are doing sensory, you know, before it hits our centrifuge, after it hits our centrifuge, once it's fully carbonated, just to make sure that everything is working its way through and you know, it's a really good batch too. When you find the sample port on the bright tank, you know, where we, we put our cold carbonated beer, that sample port hasn't left in a while. And you just slowly see people walking back out of the brewery with a, with a really cold frosty beer. And you're like, Oh, that's a fresh IPA, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, you're right. I'm totally ruined. I, I can't drink. I, I can't drink beer if it's less than you know, 48 hours old now. Um, uh, uh, well, when you make it to Jackson looking for Yeti, you know, we'll just have to, we'll just have to make that happen. I mean, I feel like I need that to happen. <laughs> it's crazy. I've been to so many breweries and my, like, and my friends like own breweries and like, I've never, I've, I've, like I said, I tasted it warm, but I've never like stuck, you know, I've made beer, but I've never stuck around to like have it in the 20, after the hold, after the cook, I should say. And like, that's kind of, um, it's kind of silly really when you think about like why, yeah. All right, fine. We'll go to, we're going to Wyoming. Let's do Come it. Come on out. We're going to have a great <laughs> old time. I mean, I, like I said, I need a headlamp because I, I don't want any nature on me. You have to plan it with a, with a full moon cycle and the full moon's out. It's, it's like the sun never set. It's going to be quite bright. Great. Um, but something too more in that, in the, you know, in the, in the peak freshness of beer, I, I, I actually, um, it, it's a little bit of an enigma, but in my, my career in beer and spending time talking to other brewers, I've, I've really fallen maybe trapped or in love with this idea of hop shock or some brewers call it like the hop trough or this right when you package a beer, it almost seems like the, the hop flavor maybe diminishes a little bit and it takes a minute to like kind of rejuice itself up in a can. Um, so for Wilson, actually, I prefer drinking Wilson at like two to four weeks. 
Um, I just think the beer really mellows out. It conditions in the can. Uh, it's not super sharp from you know the carb, the forced carbonation or or anything that might have happened in the packaging. And it can really mellow. Um, and same with one of these other beers that we'll try in a little bit. I prefer to drink those a couple weeks after packaging. I just think they're at their absolute peak then because they've really mellowed out. But but I won't take away drinking a beer right off the can line. That is a that is a treat. Love it. So what can are we opening now? Well, I think we should try probably my favorite beer we make, uh, which is Highwayman, our Pilsner. Um, and again, a little, little maybe unconventional here to go IPA to a Pilsner. But since we're going to finish with an IPA, I love this Pilsner for its carbonation and it's really going to clear off our palate. So um, Highwayman it is. <laughs> I like right. the can. On the can it says, and I, and I don't know if any of these, um, for the listeners, it says, it pairs well with a cabin on a river with wild mushrooms and light-fused getaway. Um, <laughs> I, I said you were doing mushrooms in that basement, and you're, and you're not listening to me. I know it. <laughs> Fish, second reference of mushrooms. I'm, I'm all, I see where this is going. Yeah, I just I happen to have these Edison bulbs on, so it's not really enhancing the black light image here on the, uh, in my background. But anyway, <laughs> it's... Uh, um, Highwayman is, is, you know, is, we love music uh, at Roadhouse. So Highwayman um, is, is another musical, uh, a musically inspired name and product. Um, you know, for, for folks not familiar with the imagery on our can, this, this can actually has a, an old Dodge Power Wagon as the icon on the can, which we actually own and sits out front of our production facility. Uh, this beer was also brewed uh, to pay tribute to a, a friend of the breweries who actually introduced the two co-owners, um, Gavin Fine and Colby Cox. And, and Sadly, he passed away several years ago, um, but he was a big, big uh, car restoration guy. So this power wagon was the power wagon that he was working on when he passed away. And, uh, and he was a big yellow beer drinker. And uh, you know, I am too, like secrets out. I drink a lot of Coors Banquet. Um, you know, it, oh, you can only drink so many IPAs um, out at beer festivals and, you know, and, and at the end of the day too. And I got a long commute over that mountain pass. Um, so, you know, 4% Pilsner is usually my, my go-to. And, and again, spending time on the rivers and hiking uh, a highwayman is just what we go for. Well, you like, did you like, you know, like kind of like hone in on like some of your um, Pilsner skills or that kind of like light body when you were in Germany or was that something that like, like, because that's, I mean, that's the art of the beer, right? So you want to like get there. So my question, I guess that's my question. Is that when you fell in love with the lighter style beers or drier beers, the Kolsch's and all that? Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. I, I you know, I, I love drinking beer and I love drinking a lot of beer. Um, I don't, you know, I just love to sit down and session beer. You know, I think this beer really brings me back to uh, afternoons and the Augustiner beer, beer keller and, and the beer garden there in downtown Munich, which any, any beer aficionado and beer drinker, frankly, if you're not even a beer drinker, put it on your list. If you're ever in Munich to go to Augustiner um, where you can just sit there and session literal liters of beautiful balanced Pilsner and Hellas style beers. Um, so this certainly was inspired by that a beer that we could sit down drink a bunch of, you know, sessions and beers, have a great time, not feel super full. You know, that idea of being full, it doesn't blow out your palate. It's really well balanced. Um, you know, there's another, uh, uh, a copy on the side of this can uh, that has a really fun little story on it that the first time I read it, um, it, it choked me up. Um, I'm a pretty emotional guy and it, it choked me up a little bit because it really embodied a lot of what I really, really appreciate about beer. And one of the, the things on there, it says, enjoy, don't relish, savor, don't sip such a long time to be gone, such a short time to be here. I may be a single drop of rain, but I will remain. 
And it's just, you know, it's like one of those beers for me. It's like, I, I love bringing this beer home. If we have beer, if we have a, a dinner party at our house, I always have Highwayman. If I'm, you know, I just love having that and sharing it with people. Um, I like to say too, that this beer is, is, is meant for the, the beer nerd, right? Like Pilsner, you know, and lager beer has become such a big yeah. thing right now in craft. Um, but it's also the same beer that at our restaurant on Town Square in Jackson, which sees millions of people um, who are maybe just looking for a Bud Light and a burger at our brew pub. Um, we can steer them to this and be like, hey, why don't you try something else that we like? And we can even get Bud Light drinkers to drink this beer because it is so delicate. At the same time, we source a lot of our hops for this. They're 100% noble. They're all grown in Germany. Um, we run a, 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 a Braucon brew house here at the production plant. So we were plumbed in by the Germans to make decoction style beers. So we've started doing a single decoction on this, which is super cool. And like, we don't know if you're like, really does that much difference uh, in the beer. But the fact that we could do a single decoction, um, which is removing part of the mash uh, in the mash process, boiling uh, the remainder of it uh, to help with a lot of that Maillard reaction brings out a lot of the beautiful uh, bready notes and, and the, the, the true grain components of it. Um, and then we mix it all back up for another step rest in our mash. So we get this beautiful head on this beer too. So when you pour it into a glass, it's just got this big pillowy head. Um, so we can talk super nerdy with beer geeks about our Pilsner <laughs> at the same time. We, you can sit down and drink a, a six pack. We do this in a six pack, 16 ounce can, which was, has been a game changer for us right now. And uh, uh, it's, it's become quite popular. I didn't know you could do that and like not lose the yeast. That's pretty cool. Yeah, this was even, uh, this would be before our yeast, uh, our introduction of yeast too. Um, so we're, we're doing all sorts of weird stuff. It's one of our more labor intensive brew days. Um, our, my brewers and myself, we always joke, like we spend the most time thinking about this beer. And at the time when we first started saying this, it was, we brewed very little of this beer. People wanted our IPAs, people wanted some of our other products. And now this beer, we're, we're graduating up into our largest fermentation tanks because uh, we just cannot keep up with it. It's become such a, a, a staple for us. So we might have to adjust some things to make it a little bit easier for us. I think the Pilsner, you know, we'll talk, we're going to get to your, your, your hard seltzers, but I think the Pilsner, that light market, you know, led the way to the, to the seltzers. You know, everyone's like, no, it's so, it's so far. It's so different. It's really not with the light style. The fruit is the, is the, is a change, right? So there's no hop, but you're not, I mean, there's no hops in it, but you're getting fruit from the actual fruit instead of the fruity hops, right? So yeah. It's kind of interesting how like it's a, there's a parallel there, but anyway. All right, next one, go. Hazy. Next one, the walrus. Goo 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 jube, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so walrus, this is our, our fastest growing skew. It's a beer I'm, I'm quite proud of. Um, so to come back to Colby, um, uh, co-owner and co-founder, uh, home brewer extraordinaire. He and I, we, we brewed many, many batches of, of this beer. We knew we needed to put out a big double hazy IPA. We need, we need to put something big, make a statement out there. Um, so this was the first beer we put into cans once we got our, our core and our flagships and we wanted to introduce a new, a new product. And so we chose the walrus. Um, and it is, it's a machine that can't be stopped. It's a walrus that can't be stopped. You can't stop a walrus. I mean, those things are, they're huge. So, I mean, walrus versus Yeti would be a great one, you know? So, um, the walrus is a, uh, is a mosaic is primarily hop with mosaic, um, which is we reserve uh, mosaic mainly for the walrus. I, I try to avoid that house flavor when, when I'm designing our beers, if, if any of our brewers are brewing up on our five barrel system at our restaurant, uh, you know, I, I don't like to be pigeonholed into the same, uh, you know, same flavor profiles and aromas in our beer. You know, 
you know, it's <laughs> an IPA hop with mosaic and citra is the same as an IPA that is hopped with citra and mosaic. So we like to, we like to mix it up a little bit and, uh, and, and keep the hops different and separate for each of the beers. So Lars is big in mosaics, got some Eldorado, uh, some Calypso as well, really accentuates, brings out that stone fruit component. Um, and to take it one step further too, we, we do add some peach and tangerine puree to this beer. Um, however, if I, if, if, we didn't one have to say that on our label um, and let people know that that fruit's in there. I, I, we, we, it's so such a small amount of fruit that really just helps balance out that beer. Um, and that is so much of what we do at roadhouses is balanced beer. We want people, you know, if they order a pint of walrus at a bar, that it's, it's not overpowering enough that they won't order a second. Um, and, and they can do the same with any of our beers. That's like our number one goal is just that balance and that drinkability, which, which I, I would imagine most of my fellow brewers would agree with. So it's like that fructose, it's like you're looking for that fructose and that ester, but it comes from the natural form instead of using something that's not, which is kind of commendable because so easy to just add oil and, and uh, you know, some, uh, some weight, weighted fructose to it or fruit juice, you know, to make that happen. Um, that's pretty awesome that you do that, though. Can you tell the listeners... Uh, you know, you see this on cans a lot, hazy. What does that term mean, hazy? Yeah, hazy. <laughs> hazy, gosh, right. I remember when this, when, you know, we all thought as brewers, this trend was going to die at some point. But God, I think 50% of what we can right now is hazy. Um, hazy IPAs, I think depending on where you're located is going to be one thing or another. Um, but for us, I'll just talk about us so I don't speak for, for other brewers. Hazy IPAs, yeah. we, we get that haze. Um, from a lot of the, the raw malts we use, we, a, we use a lot of oats, we use a lot of raw wheat, which have a ton of proteins left in them that aren't either soluble in the brewing process or ones that are very difficult for us to remove in any sort of filtration process. So when you pour into a can, you know, some of them could look like orange juice, like extra pulp orange juice, which is one style yep, of hazy. Ours is just, it's a little difficult to see through. And uh, some of that comes from our yeast as well, um, which helps provide some of that, that haze and body. Uh, and also, the, I, I firmly believe the way we dry hop at Roadhouse is a, is a big component of our haze. Um, we, we utilize a recirculation method um, through, our, through our brew house manufacturer. Uh, it's called the Browcon Hop Gun. It's like a giant candle torpedo. It's like a spaceship uh, looking thing that looks like it's going to take <laughs> off at any moment. And we pour it pour all the hops into it. Um, you know, it could be hundreds of pounds and we recirculate the beer through it. So those hops and the oils really are able to dissolve into that beer. And, and I firmly believe that our IPAs and our hopped beer, dry hopped beers, um, are, are the way they are because of that hop gun. So a lot of that also becomes insoluble in the beer and we get that nice haze component to it. It's really unfortunate, Max, that you're not very excited or passionate <laughs> about beer. Yeah. It's really too uh, bad. You're uh, <laughs> so dry. <laughs> I can't, uh, like I can't tell you how many, how many brewery tours I've given and, and how many beer dinners I've hosted. I, I really love, uh, you know, interacting and talking about our beer and, and showing off you know, this, the, the facility we have here and the things that, you know, I, I'm able to do. And uh, I remember giving a tour to one of my, my, my folks, good friends who are in Jackson. And, and they were like, man, like, sounds like making beer in Jackson is like the best thing ever. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's totally awesome. And, and my mom's friend, she's like, tell me about a bad day in a brewery. And I was like, Oh, I've, that was the first time I've ever heard you say that. And she, even after I told her about a bad day, she was like, you even sound excited about a bad day. <laughs> Like when the beer spills out and you're like, how did we not close that? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and my response to that for everyone is it's just beer, you know, we'll, we'll make more, we'll figure it out. So yeah. That's a good boss right there, Max. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the category that I love right now. 
I'm a, I love beer, but God, seltzers are like my thing. Oh, what's your, what's your go-to right now, Gina? I got to tell you, I've been drinking a lot of, um, oh my God, their name just went right out of my uh, head in DC. Oh, uh, DC Brock. Jesus Christ. I like all the DC Brock. I, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I apologize. I just reordered. We're opening, um, finally since the pandemic, uh, the pubs are allowed to open and sit at the bars uh, here in DC. So I just placed my first big order and I got in uh, the seltzers from DC Brow. And it was really funny. I was like, I was like, Brandon, I'm finally placing an order. And he's like, I don't have anything. And I'm like, oh, well, you better get me something. And then of course, it magically appeared at premium. So thank you, my premium reps. But, um, you know, We've been, I gotta be honest, even in the beginning of this whole thing, you know, the white claws were a little bit fake. However, I liked the lightness of it and I'm not saying anything against them. You know, I probably have white claws in my refrigerator in the barn, but I really like the breweries doing it because it's like, you get such a better product. And Garrett from Maui Brewing sent us his seltzer, which I cannot get here at all. And they were delicious too. So, I mean, I'm a little spoiled. I'm not drinking Kirkland's best seltzers, but I have drank them. But I'm really excited. They're not. Bad. They're, not. they're they're good. I mean, I, I I drink a lot of seltzer. I drink a lot of hard seltzer. So I, I'm I'm probably one of those Enigma brewers. And I, I remember we started making them. We had a lot of kickback from a lot of our team from packaging the brewing, and they're like, "I'm not making this." And I was like, "I don't care. Like <laughs> this, we're making seltzer. I drink seltzer. So as long as I'm here." We're going to make seltzer. <laughs> I, I, I love them. What do we start with then? Ooh, I, I um, want to start with the cucumber lychee. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So, I'm going to pick. I'm picking. I love the cucumber lychee. <laughs> oh, so good. It's so good. So refreshing. Um, yeah. So Sorry, I guess Luis. like a little bit about, about Celci and our, and our, our products here. It's uh, you know, it was, it, it took a long time to get to where it is right now. Um, we, you know, we, we didn't want to jump on, you know, the bandwagon of, of hard seltzers if we weren't going to do it right. And we, <laughs> we brewed a lot of hard seltzer. We dumped a lot of hard seltzer. And it has proved to be one of the most difficult things I've had to do in my brewing career. I uh, reached out to a bunch of my classmates from back from Siebel and, and just like, don't, you don't need to give me your, your secret, but like, is this really as hard as I think? And a lot of them were like, yeah, you know, it's really hard to make. And uh, we ferment ours in-house. Um, which most most craft breweries are doing right now, and uh, that proved to be quite difficult. It's you know we, ours is a is a is a basic dextrose solution that we ferment. There's not much nutrient in that, so we have to play around with making sure our yeast is happy and healthy and feeding it nutrients, and you know making sure it doesn't shock itself from any sort of acid, uh, you know, the acid it produces during fermentation. So it's it takes a lot for us to to produce this this seltzer, not to mention literal thousands of pounds of, of dextrose that go into this thing, just dumping it bag by bag. <laughs> it's absolutely brutal. Um, but we're, we're, we're really happy. We brew it really, really strong in the brewery. We brew it anywhere between 14 and 16% in the, in the brewery here. And uh, yeah, and then we cut it back with water. So we bring it back down to 4%, but you know, the more okay. we, the more we can dilute it down and, and filter the bejesus out of this thing just to scrub all the the vinous components and this maybe if there's a little bit of sulfur left over from fermentation we try and dilute it as much as we can so we get that nice clear product really simple base that if you didn't know is four percent alcohol water 
you know, you're, 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 we're doing our job. That's, that's kind when of When are you going to make a hazy seltzer? I feel like I would like that. <laughs> oh, man. That would, well, that's just going to be a, a thing now, I'm sure. <laughs> Your seltzer's not hazy. I don't want it. I mean, I like the clear seltzer, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, um, I would want to try it a little, a little, um, like a little bit higher percentage than four. You know, like the 4.5s are pretty good. Some people do five. Definitely. I mean, I think this is, I think you have a very beautifully clean product. And I think that it's very commendable. And you're coming in under 100 calories. Super great. Really important. Like, super important, especially people that like, you know, watching their, like, you know, how, how many they're going to drink or whatever. Oh, we, we went after the millennials. I mean, I'm a millennial, so I'll, I'll, you know, we went after the millennials. It's gluten-free. It's vegan. There's zero grams of sugar. There's no carbs. <laughs> we were like, all right, if you're, if you're like, this is for you. If, if all those buzzwords really, really, uh, you know, trigger you, this is, this is for you. I think you. that's why I like it a lot too. It's really clean. Do you know what I mean? Like That's the same experience I'm having. I find it very, really clean. I like the mouthfeel. It doesn't feel like a bunch of chemicals or sugar. In, yeah. And it's, it's really lovely. And, and I think I've had more bad lychee flavored things than I've had good flavored lychee. This is really lovely. It's to your point, it's really light. It's super. I'm going to use the, it's very refreshing. I don't know what, how else to describe it, but it really, really is. This is uh. No, I think people need to like understand that like lychee is a very light flavor, but like most mm-hmm. people have a canned syrup and they think that lychee is like supposed to be like this syrupy thing. And it's really not. It's a very balanced fruit. It's a very beautiful fruit, actually. So if you never get fresh lychees, I highly recommend that you peel one and eat it. But moving on. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Max. No, that's quite all right. It's uh yeah, I think I, I totally agree with with everything you both said. It's it's refreshing. The you know the fruit flavor is nice, and it's it they're just it's a one. I, I, I'm obviously very biased, but I'm very proud of of everything behind it. The package is clean. The product's clean. Um, you know, one of the things we set out to, and and I, you know the three flavors we have, and I'll just because I think that's an important component for this the the mix pack and kind of the reasons we chose everything. Um, we have the lychee cucumber. We have a huckleberry and lingonberry. So huckleberry is like a wild blueberry type plant that grows here in the Tetons that you can, you have to actually go out and hand pick them. They're these tiny, tiny, like think about, think about like a decent sized blueberry and about half the size of that. And uh, usually there's a grizzly bear around because they love the huckleberries too. So you're out there like, you know, and nobody talks about their huckleberry patches. You know, if you're, if you're a really good tried and true local in the Tetons, you keep that huckleberry patch for yourself. And it might take you a little while to get out to, or you might be really lucky and just know where there's one growing, like just off the road. So huckleberry is, is you know, we, it's like tourist crack here in Jackson. You could go, there's a store across the street from our restaurant on the town square in Jackson. You could buy huckleberry scented soap. You can buy a huckleberry hot sauce, you, anything huckleberry. So we knew huckleberry had to be one. It's, it's so regionally appropriate for us as well. Uh, and lingonberry too, I wanted to make sure we had a, a kind of complementing flavors in there. Uh, lingonberry would kind of be its cousin, its Scandinavian cousin there. Um, and then finally, the, the last one we did was a ginger lime. And, um, we, you know, when we sat out, sought out to do all these flavors, we wanted to make sure that they were unique enough, but uh, approachable enough for anyone picking up a hard seltzer. We didn't want to go very classic, you know, the, the big flavors out there, grapefruit, and lime, just those oh, mango. We didn't want to go that route. We wanted to, to, to zhuzh up a little bit. 
And we're, we're restaurant people and, and we're food and beverage people. And we wanted to produce something that could become a great cocktail also. So we also have these wonderful, fun little cocktail recipes on each can. And uh, the lychee cucumber, just to come back to that one, since we're trying that one right now, that was that was one that we all were like, ah, I don't know. And our VP of sales, she was like, I don't, I don't think so. And now lychee cucumber is like hands down one of our absolute favorite uh, uh, flavors in, in the mix pack here at the brewery. So it's uh, it all works out. And also too, you know, a mix pack's a mix pack. Not everyone's going to like each flavor in there. So it works out well. My wife loves the ginger lime. I love the lychee cucumber. We don't ever have to fight over which flavor one of us gets. So it also works. No out. one's sleeping on the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. What are we going to try next? The chill or, or the crush? Where are we at? Where did you let's open? Go the, let's go to crush. All right. Um, All right. You know, that was another thing we did too. And in, in the, the names, we gave the cell, we gave them names, right? So like most of the big brands, like it's like, I, I love the grapefruit and it's, it's just, you know, brand name grapefruit. And we wanted to try and give a name to them. And uh, just so there's a little bit more tie to it, you know, maybe, maybe a little more brand awareness, brand allegiance to it as well, knowing that, you know, you love the crush and the crush is, is the huckleberry in that kind of game. So um, that's a fun one. Um, you know, berry was a really tough one for us to do. Um, berry can be such an artificial, so that's just synthetic, gross flavor. Um, I remember the first batch that I finally fermented cleanly, diluted correctly. It tasted right. It was clean. It was like, yes, we have the base. And I had ordered in God knows how many flavorings from every company I could find, you know, back from when I was making sodas and all sorts of other, you know, other beverages. And I was like, okay, who's got a flavoring? And I, I called our, our production manager. Um, and I was like, John, you got to get over here. I, I don't tell anyone, but I got the flavors. And I've got the base done. And he's like, okay, I'll be, I'll be right over to the pub. And he came over and we sat there with little pipettes and we were like, you know, micro dosing glasses and, and, you know, and finally we looked up and we both caught each other's eyes. And I was just like, fuck, like, these are so bad. Like we are so screwed. We are never going to make this clean. And uh, so that was, that was quite terrifying because that was, that was many months into this process, you know, art and marketing was, was already running. And I was like, no, we got it. We're going to make it. And then I had that, that fearful moment of like, I have no clue what's happening. Finally stumbled across a really great uh, flavor provider that does a lot of very natural extracts. And, uh, and I was, and they were very, very, um, you know, firm and, and very open about the fact that they know there was these really top note artificial components in the flavoring. And so we were able to do benchtop trials in our lab with micro pipetters and figuring out very small amounts of it. And, uh, and that was a big thing for us. We wanted the flavor to be there, but very subtle, you know, nothing where it like feels like it's on your teeth or it's on your tongue. Yep. Um, we, that was a big thing. So, you know, we had a lot of people say to us initially, we, we gave it to friends and family. We're like, try this. Like we were hand making them crowlers and hand dosing flavors. And, and they were like, Oh, I don't think there's enough flavor. I don't think there's enough flavor. And then like a day or two would go by and they're like, you know, what? I went out and bought, you know, my, my, my go-to hard seltzer, you know what? Yours is just, it's clean. It's got that balance. And, uh, so that was, that was a really big struggle for us with the huckleberry and the lingonberry, just like a little bit too much huckleberry. And it's like, oh, like this is just like a jolly rancher, you know, it's, which is good for some people, but it wasn't for us. Yeah. That sounds terrible. It's good. You, know, you can it's only have so much cake. huckleberry in your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the other big thing that was that we did with our Celsius 
is we don't back sweeten it. So as we started buying, you know, every hard seltzer we could find and, and you know, frankly here in, in Wyoming, we're kind of in a beer desert, right? It's a, it's a Bud Light, Coors Light state. And so we don't, we don't see a ton of the craft seltzers out here, but the ones that we did start getting in the bigger brand hard seltzers, we started pouring through the, the nutritional facts and we found a lot of them were, were being back sweetened and which, you know, obviously affects the calories as well. Um, so wasn't going to work for our millennials and, and myself, you know, we got to, got to pace ourselves with our, with our low calorie Celsius. And, and, um, we, we just said, you know what, we're not back. We're going to ferment this thing bone dry. Uh, so it can be super crisp and super refreshing. Um, and that also helped, I think, balance a lot of that flavor. It, it allows us to use less if you ask me. Um, so it doesn't have to compete with that already sweet flavor. But for the older folks, it's because we like to do shots of tequila with it or gin and then put it in yeah, there. So exactly. you have to hit your calories you gotta save there. Them. Because I went to college during the beer and shot sensation, and that's where I live. (laughs) All right, last one, and then we're going to make a cocktail. The chill. All right. Uh, The chill, which is, I I would have to say, it's probably one of our absolute favorite like hands down, it is the number one favorite. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a baby mule, uh, ginger lime. It's really fresh. It's got some great flavor to it. Um, gosh, I was doing a bunch of housework recently and I drank a lot of these and I still can't find my threshold because it's like, Ooh, am I hydrating? Am I imbibing? Like, where am I at with, with, with these? And this one's fantastic. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we'll, it's a, we'll get it's, there, but this will make a great cocktail. It's a good, it's a good problem to have. Cocktail in mind. But let me ask you this, a baby right mule, on. would that be a colt then? Like a horse? I don't know. Oh, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, oh. I see what you did there. The cult. <laughs> you gotta put that on the menu in the restaurant. The cult. Seltzer and and uh, and vodka. I love it. That's it. Get it. And if you want the full Done. meal, you there get the you can go. and the shot, and you can just add it into it yeah. to make yourself the full yeah. grown mule. <laughs> I love it. Do you have the um, seltzers on tap at your at your restaurant, or you have them all in cans? We have them all in cans, and uh, and, and we, we made that decision strategically for a, a couple of reasons. Um, we, we saw a lot of hard seltzers end up on draft here in Jackson, and it, frankly, they were just a dog on draft. Like They just sat. Um, the other big thing that's hard is like the beauty of the seltzer is that effervescence, that high level of carbonation. And yeah. most of our draft systems around here are not set to hold big pressure on these kegs. Um, so we didn't, it, it didn't go flat, and then it was just like, is this like, what is this? Is what this is like your gas volume in here? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no worries. We, we target as high up in the, in the twos as we can. Uh, so we, we like to see it anywhere between 2.7 and 2.8 and volumes. It's pretty CO2. good, We're, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Where most of our beers end up in, you know, in the 2.5 range, and, and some of them vary based on style. But that was a big thing. We wanted that effervescence, that refreshing, that like crushable, crisp, refreshing thing of a hard seltzer. Um, especially after a day mountain biking or if you're just – on a raft all day on the you know on the Snake River in Jackson, something bubbly is just. Oof, or so you're good. organizing your shoes. Or you're I mean, organizing hello. your shoes. Hello, yeah, not everybody gets on a bike. It's like I want a seltzer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so no, we don't have it on draft in our restaurants. Um, our restaurant has 30, uh, 30 draft lines. You know, we wow. can buy about ten at any given time from the Gregory Brewery, our, our production facility. Um, and then, like, as I mentioned, we have a small five barrel facility up there and, and the beer produced in that facility doesn't leave there. So, and that's just a place to play. We're, we're always playing 
Uh, you know, we have a great culinary team up there as well. So um, I've brewed a couple beers uh, in, in the past with our chefs and they come to me with these, like we brewed a Belgian double that had smoked rosemary and cherries. And it, they made a beautiful pork chop dish with it, you know? So like yeah. we play pretty hard up there, just like, you know, the sky's the limit. And I make that pretty awesome. clear. Like let's, let's push the boundaries. So, um, so we, we, we don't want to take up a, t- a draft line with a hard seltzer and also just the branding and the package behind the hard seltzer, you know, it's got its own glassware. It's, it's a beautiful little package. So when you see a, a server walking by with, yeah, with a glass of Celsi, it's filled to the top with some rocks. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe they've made the cocktail that is suggesting on the cans. There's a sprig of rosemary or a lime wedge. You see that go by. It's like, mm, that is a good looking package right there. And then it sits on the, on the table and you know, you, it's, it's great. I, you know, we see people of all ages, you know, and anyone is drinking seltzer, you know, everyone is drinking it in there, which is a lot of fun to see too. All right, let's do it, Gina. All right, well, now we tried all these seltzers and we're going to make a cocktail with it. And honestly, I love their suggestion where you just say a neutral spirit, some lime, and your favorite. So I feel like I'm going to leave this up to everybody to pick your favorite seltzer. But what I'm going to do, um, and I and I kind of wanted to put you with this, uh, with Hendrix. So Hendrix has a new, uh, a new one out. It's called Lunar. And it's just got a really beautiful... Um, delicate balance to this um, version of Hendrix. And it's not been around long and it won't be around that long. It's not a, it's not a traditional lineup. It's just here for a little while. So what I suggest is three quarters of an ounce of the Hendrix. And I, this is nice and cold. Um, I suggest that if you're gonna mix anything with seltzer, put the liquor or the neutral spirit that you're gonna use or serve in the refrigerator because you don't wanna add any more um, water to this and shaking it. And you also don't want to ever shake your seltzer. So we're using three quarters of an ounce of Hendrix. And then we're going to use about three quarters of an ounce of lime juice. Um, because you don't want to overpower it. Because remember, you have this really delicate flavor in there. So what you're looking for is kind of just to add a little extra, um, a little extra pop, if you will, right? So something fun that you could do to decorate your glass, you can add um, actual more fruit in there. Uh, you know, cucumber slices, whatever you like. But what's really important with um, carbonated drinks is that you use crushed ice. You give that a really cold surface area so that the carbonation has a place to live and land because CO2 loves cold. And uh, it's just kind of like um, what you do. So in here, again, three quarters of an ounce of I put gin, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice. It's really subjective to really what you want to do. But like this is kind of a good basis of the map. And I'm just taking my lime and I'm just pushing it down in my Celsi glass. I'm just going to garnish it so it looks really pretty. Mostly because I'm a snob and I just like a pretty cocktail, right? As most of you know by now. Um, So we're going to put the the crushed ice and we're going to pack it in. And now I'm going to take, and I'm going to use the cucumber lychee, 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 tomato, tomato. And I'm just going to fill it up. And what's really nice about um, seltzer drinks is that you already have a lot of flavor on the top. So I don't really suggest uh, mixing this drink or stirring it at all because you'll get all of that naturally by the by the carbonation, especially when you're in the 2.7 to 3 range. And then again, if you're using a club soda that say it's at 4.5 gas per volume, obviously you don't have to do too much stirring to it because it will um, do that for you. So that's it. Very simple. Very delicious. I don't use any more sugar because it doesn't need it. 
Um, the lime juice is more than enough. And that's it. All right. And oh, by the way, your glasses are so cute. I used your cup. I love it. And that's it. Cheers. Cheers. I did the same thing. I use a cucumber lychee. I think that is my personal favorite. Oh, um, and it is really good. I bet you it's great with that gin. I mean, I really, I loved it. Like I was, it was hard for me to like keep these in the fridge. Cause like we have um, all my liquors outside in the bar and I'm like, we can't drink them. And they're like, you're the only one drinking them. I'm like, oh, right. Well, I can't drink them. But now I can drink <laughs> So I'm excited. Happy hour can't come soon enough. Um. Anyway, Max, you're amazing. I love it. Well, thank you. So if you have any questions or you want to know how to get in touch with us or find Max or where to order or you want to know the tips, tricks, how-tos or how to make the drinks or what they do in the basement <laughs> at the Roadhouse, um, you can go to designateddrinker.show. And again, that's designateddrinker.show. And you'll be able to find out how the black light works, what Max does down there, and what micro dosing <laughs> seltzer is really about. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, so Max, this is how we always know if you listen to the designated drinker show or not. We always ask um, one last question. So in this day and age, and I have so many animals to pick from, you might identify yourself with Wilson and you're like, I am the iguana, the lizard king. But if you can identify yourself as one spirit ingredient, whether used in food or beverage, who, what would you be and why? You know, I've thought, I, I have thought about this a little bit. <laughs> ah, I've you got, listen. I, I've got, I've got a couple, I got a couple for you. I think one, I might just be coarse kosher salt. You know, I think a little pinch of salt and everything really rounds it out. It brings everything together. Uh, I think that's a great thing I like to do. Uh, or if I just had to be something else, it would probably be sriracha. A little bit of spice. It's got some energy. And it's really excited to be part of your meal. That's awesome. <laughs> love that answer. <laughs> I love that answer. Oh. Max. I had to go coarse kosher salt, too, for my, for my Jewish mother and my Jewish grandmother, too. You, know, you got to have a little kosher salt in there. <laughs> you know, I don't have anything else in my kitchen. It's got to be. Uh, always. I love it. <laughs> That's a great answer. A two-parter at that. Well, cheers and thank you. And I look forward to making my way to the Grand Teton. Absolutely. Gina, Louise, thank you so much. Absolutely. Can't wait to have our date with the Yeti. Yes, me too. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts, is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.